Al Jazeera Podcasts. Kenya is now the fifth country in Africa to go visa-free for all visitors. After the visa-free directive by President William Ruto took effect, the first batch of visa-free arrivals landed at the Jomo Kenyatta International Airport. And while this may boost Kenya's tourism industry, many Africans, including Kenyans, still face travel restrictions. But could that soon change? I'm Kevin Hurton, and this is The Take. Malawi is the latest country in Africa to lift visa restrictions, but it's only for 79 countries, unlike Kenya, which has dropped them entirely. Kenya will be a visa-free country. That's Kenyan President William Ruto announcing last December that his country would go visa-free for all visitors. It shall no longer be necessary for any person from any corner of the globe to carry the burden of applying for a visa to come to Kenya. The first batch of visa-free visitors arrived there on January 5th. Here's one of them. This was very easy and like, very convenient because I could like apply at once for all my family members. And while the initiative was well-received by some visitors, we wondered how Kenyans are reacting to it. Well, it's it's interesting. I think um, reactions from Kenyans online have been mixed. That's Parcelolo Olacante. I am based in Nairobi, and I am the politics and society editor at African Arguments, which is a pan-African media platform. So, Parcelolo, can you give us a sense of how people are responding to this whole visa-free initiative? You know, on the one hand, a lot of uh, people receive the news quite positively, but there have been folk who have been rather more skeptical about the intentions of the visa waiver. You know, is this a kind of ideological position in which Kenya is proclaiming that there is no visitor in Kenya, the, the whole world is welcome? I think Mr. Ruto has developed the slogan, welcome home, Kenya being the birthplace, or East Africa being the birthplace of humanity. Is it anything more than a slogan to develop tourism, to maximize revenues, or is it a bigger thing? Kenyans have shown time and again that we are not afraid of the world beyond our borders. Kenya hopes this initiative will greatly expand its tourism industry, setting yearly expectations at a whopping $9.5 billion. But aside from helping tourism, critics worry that this might not be as revolutionary a move as it may seem. Now, quite a few folk have pointed out that it seems to be nothing more than a kind of business and tourism strategy, rather than the kind of proclamation that Kenya wants to be seen as a trailblazer or at least one of a few African trailblazers radically reforming visa and travel regimes across the continent and beyond. Critics argue that the no-visa system is little more than a government strategy to quickly boost revenue during tough economic times. And the numbers do back that up. Kenya generated $1 million in just the first seven days of the no-visa system. Also, some Kenyans are concerned about potential reciprocal measures from countries that previously did not require a visa or ETA 
for entry into Kenya. A lot of our listeners in places like the UK and America, they might not realize just how difficult it is for many Africans to travel internationally or even around Africa. I mean, if you have a UK passport, you can pretty much go wherever you want. But Africans can face challenges and restrictions when trying to move within and outside Africa. So can you give us a sense of what it's like to go from one country to another I wouldn't want to overstate the point of the difficulty of traveling within Africa because I think there have been very progressive steps taken by the African Union, taken by individual African countries to ease travel within the continent. Here's Kenyan President William Ruto advocating for a visa-free Africa. 27 countries in Europe today with 430 million people removed visas. We still have visas Having visa restrictions amongst ourselves is working against us. Now, visa travel is a very specific kind of travel. Mm. You know, this is a continent that hosts refugees. Now, these are not people who traveled from one country to the next (laughs) using a visa, right? This is also a continent in which of total African migration, over 80% happens within the continent. And of that, basically, of every 10 Africans traveling, eight of them are traveling within the continent. On top of that, 85% of travel within the continent is happening across borders and overland. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of visa travel, the vast majority of visa travel is going to happen um, via airports. But the vast majority of travel on the continent by Africans is happening overland. Right. And while, of course, there are very clear protocols of that travel, What needs to be understood is that a lot of that travel is happening informally across borders. So travel on the continent, while quite difficult, while quite closely regulated by immigration officials, by national police forces, and while being extremely difficult just because of the barriers that have been put up, is not impossible. Right, but I would say that not impossible isn't the standard we're going for, right? And this is part of this, is an effort to make not impossible easier so it can facilitate better trade, fair to say? Absolutely, a very good point. It's important to recognize that there is African free movement protocol, a treaty that was ratified by several African countries in the last few years. You know, the treaty itself was proclaimed over 30 years ago in Abuja. And the protocol to the treaty establishing the African economic community, which is related to the free movement of persons, the right of residence and right of establishment, is a a fundamental principle of the African Union. This is to say that there have been very progressive moves made by kind of African continental authorities to ensure the goal of having an African continent, which enshrines the freedom of movement of every African individual. Mm. Yeah, you know... I'm I'm curious, this is a, more of a historical question, but I'm, why is the system set up like this in Africa? I mean, I can sort of understand why countries outside Africa might require a visa for Africans coming in. Um, you, know, you could chalk that up to, I don't know, discrimination against the global south. But why do so many countries in Africa require all visitors to go through lengthy visa applications to visit their own countries? Why is it so hived off? <laughs> I mean, that's a complicated issue. I think one could take it from the point of the creation of the the Organization of African Unity in May 1963, 
in which the existing heads of states at the time, by no means all of the kind of representatives of African countries today, the representatives then were very wary of pushing what um, Kwame Nkrumah, the founding president of Ghana, was proclaiming as an organization of a United States of Africa in which border protocols would be removed. His dream was a strong and united Africa. Political theorist and revolutionary Kwame Nkrumah, the fierce anti-colonialist, advocated cooperation between all people of African descent and for the political union of an independent continent. And there was a big fight during the establishment of the Organization of African Unity, which pitted one faction supporting Kwame Nkrumah's position and another one supporting a more gradual kind of creation of United States of Africa. Yeah. Going through regional unions rather than a kind of immediate move to create a united continent. Now, what happened at that point is the retention of the colonial borders Mm. became a key question and the heads of state decided to retain those old colonial borders. As a result, you were talking about a situation in which the African continent continued to be divided along colonial lines. After the break, we'll find out why Parcelolo describes the challenges Africans face traveling outside of the continent as the new global apartheid. Welcome to Necessary Tomorrows. My name is Ursula. I am an AI. And I have inferred from your online activity that you have been feeling more dread than hope when you think about the future that is coming for us here in the 2060s. So I have created a course just for you to enhance your capacity for imagining different futures. Necessary Tomorrows, an audio series by Doha Debates and Al Jazeera. Find it where you listen to podcasts. Okay, so, Parcelolo, there is a conversation happening in Kenya about how difficult it is for people to get visas while traveling outside of Africa. Uh, What type of difficulties do Kenyans face when traveling abroad? Well, an interesting place to start off with on, on that question is the position that the visa is in many ways the kind of global pass of a new kind of global apartheid regime in which poor people, perceived poor people, are faced with incredible odds trying to leave the continent. Going to the West, for instance, you know, one is faced with a bureaucracy, an online bureaucracy of Mm. filling in incredibly lengthy documents and for very expensive fees, which makes it almost impossible to travel. If you're going to the United States or going to Europe as a student or as a worker, you are going to be faced with long visa application forms to fill, visa interview appointments that could go either way. Most cases, you will have people faced with rejections on very spurious grounds and incredibly high visa fees. So just that combination itself is a disincentive to actually move around, to even uh, bothering to apply in the first place. It is a very, very big headache for individuals, especially in the African continent. Okay, so this idea of new apartheid, I have heard this. And what is this based on? I mean, is this based on anything other than kind of the entrenched racism and colonialism of the past? Well, the new racism and colonialism of the present, you know, is built on (laughs) the, you know, the racism of the past. 
the anti-immigration doctrines of the right-wing parties, which are in ascendancy in the United States and in Europe, yeah. kind of tells you exactly what the attitude is, what these emergent populist attitudes against immigrants are. And the face of the immigrant is almost invariably, especially in Europe, black Africans and Africans of Arabic descent trying to make their way into Europe. Okay, so I have heard some people criticize. They say, well, of course, the West requires visas, but most countries in Africa require visas as well. And there's been that kind of both-siding of the issue. Could you look at what Kenya's doing here as a way to say, well, we're going to start opening up our borders in a way that's more equitable, and then we can hopefully force that change elsewhere as well? I think the optics of what Kenya is doing are very positive. Basically being one among a handful of trailblazers that are saying that let's actually just trust humanity to interact as freely as possible. I think on the level of the optics, it's extremely positive. Yeah. On the level of the bureaucracy about it, which is where the business of visa is introduced, it's a different story. Okay, so it's tough because it's it's kind of like it's a step in the right direction, but it's still just so far away. What is the goal here? Is it that Kenya is now the fifth country in Africa? Is it that every country or most countries on the continent adopt something similar to this? And how would that change the reality for normal Africans? I think the African Freedom of Movement Treaty was a kind of signal ambition that the continent, that all states on the continent need to allow Africans the freedom of movement on the continent. Right. This was kind of amplified when um, a South African politician coming to Kenya, Julius Malema, showed up in Nairobi and in his inaugural speech declared, I regard no part of Africa as being foreign to me. Because Africa, all of it, belongs to me and I belong to Africa. Wow. Which I think was a very kind of inspiring thing to say. Yeah. That as Africans, we embrace the entire continent. Yeah. We are not visitors anywhere on the continent. That is actually the essence of African liberation and of freedom. The reality, on the other hand, is that countries have been incredibly slow in instituting what should be a logical kind of liberalized travel regime across the continent, which ensures the freedom of movement on the continent, the freedom of establishment to work and do business, and the freedom of residency. Now, how that's going to happen is a whole other situation, which is further complicated by African states' policies towards refugees. Mm. Refugees in many African states are put up in refugee camps where there are very harsh restrictions around movement. Now, how do you talk about freedom of movement on the continent while talking about refugees? It seems to me to be a paradox in itself. Well, I mean, that just speaks to the challenges. I was looking at some population data preparing for this interview, and this is just for our listeners. So right now, Africa has about 1.4 billion people, give or take, right? Yes. By 2050, it could be 2.4 billion. And by 2100, just 75 years from now, that jumps to more than 4 billion. And some projections have it way, way, way higher. And I guess that's a roundabout way of saying that the future will be African, right? And the challenges of accommodating an extra 3 billion people will require cooperation on a truly continental scale. Do you think people will look at stories like this, with visa restrictions being eased, as maybe a step in that 
direction? Is that too much? Well, I want to think that within a generation, perhaps more, we'll look back at what's happening with these visa waivers in countries like Rwanda and Kenya as the infant steps towards a situation where the continent is available to each and every African, that all Africans would be free to travel across the continent without fear of border police and immigration officials and rules and regulations, restricting them either to refugee camps or long queues in front of you know, immigration offices seeking for one pass or the other. Is that a realistic scenario? I think this was very much part of the ambition. If you're going to have free trade across the continent, then you assume free movement across the continent. Mm. Now, how long is that going to take to become the governing regime on the African continent? Let's see. But the commitment, at least on paper, is very strong. So I'm more optimistic than I would be pessimistic about it. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Khalid Sultan, Zainab Badr, and me, Kevin Hurton, in Farmalika Bilal, with Miranda Lynn, Amy Walters, Sari Al-Khalili, Faranisa Kamhana, Sonia Bagat, Nagin Oliai, Ashish Malhotra, David Enders, and Chloe K. Lee. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer. And Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back. We'll be back.